Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. 421 total yards of offense for your Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday in Cincinnati. Labs, when the game ended and I looked at the box score, I had to like wipe my eyes clear like five different times just to make sure they weren't deceiving me. And I was seeing them. I was like, that's a four? It's not a 321? It's not a 221? Really? 421? Wow. It's a long time coming, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know, I wanna I wanna just throw this in too. Uh, you know, when the game ended, I had to uh, check my pulse again. Yes, of and course. It was the same as it has been uh, at the end of games, like it seems like for the last couple of months. So, yeah, I it sure looked better. Uh, I, I I will grant you that, but uh, whew, I could use some more points. You know that um, <laughs> that whole score more points uh, edict from. Steelers president Art Rudy the second back in January. Um, this group sure has taken its uh, good old time getting around to <laughs> living up to that. So, but yeah, I do think there were there were so many things um, that I, I I liked and I think are positives moving forward offensively. Well, the, the and the defense played as it has. So I'm not talking about them but that doesn't mean I'm taking them for granted or anything. Um, but, you know, to me, one of the, the critical things in the whole game was uh, how Pickett played, how Pickett looked, how Pickett acted, uh, because, you know, one of the quick um, early fallouts of the decision, you know, to um, cut ties with Matt Canada was that it was seen as a referendum on Pickett. You know, is this the guy for them moving forward? How's he going to respond to this? Um, is he going to continue to regress? You know, all of the things that you see on the interweb. And since they're on the interweb, what do we know about that? They're have, they have, have to be, be fact, true. Yes. Yes. So, um, but I, I really thought, I thought Pickett had his best game. Uh, he was in command, uh, certainly. I, I liked the way he was uh, interacting on the sideline. Um, I thought he was... Uh, you know, involved, uh, and then uh, you you saw the um, video. You know, Pickett came off when the game was over. Uh, Pickett got off the field and into the tunnel there. You know, in Paycor Stadium, um, there's a it's 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 very well laid out and convenient uh, underneath that area in terms of getting off the field and into the locker rooms. It's a you know, it's a straight shot. It's not confusing. It's hmm. and Pickett got off quickly, and he was he stood outside the locker room and greeted every one of his teammates as they came by, and you know, that that was such a a change for me as a visual from the Browns game. Right, you remember that him yes. sitting on the bench next to Canada, looking like, um, you know, he just wanted to, I don't know. He, he did he, not look happy. He wished he could disappear. Like he had a superpower. <laughs> yes, he could just that, turn invisible. Yes. Um, 
So, you know, I, I really think that that's, um, that's a positive development, uh, as was, you know, Najee Harris also, I thought, was, uh, to quote Bubby Brister, fixing to come unglued oh, yeah. after that Browns game. And, you know, he was very much um, into it uh, against the Bengals. I thought he played really well. Um, and, uh, you know, in all due respect to Jalen Warren, I like Jalen Warren. I like what he adds. I, I hope he plays for a long time with the Steelers. But there is a difference in those two guys. And, you know, using them both. Uh, I think is critical for this team moving forward. And, um, you know, Najee Harris showed, I think, uh, a lot of why he was a number one draft pick. Some of those runs, um, you know, this guy is, uh, he's a tone setter with his running. So, uh, again, all of those things were good. Uh, Got to do better than one for four in the red zone, though. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, they, they will continue to become more comfortable with the process you know, moving forward, starting Sunday against Arizona. Yeah, no doubt. Great to see the yards there, but need to see the points. Hey, we finally broke 400 yards, Labs. Maybe we can break 30 points, or maybe that's just me getting a little too greedy. Well, I'll tell you what, from your lips to God's ear, you know, (laughs) that would be nice uh, because, you know, it would be okay with me too. I don't know, you know, four minutes left in the fourth quarter, up a couple of scores, (laughs) you know. Kick the feet Um, up on the couch a little bit. Oh, man. Just take a deep breath. That's you know, it would be nice just to go to experience a game where the outcome is not necessarily going to change on the last snap of the game. <laughs> that would be very refreshing for all of our health in Steelers Nation. <laughs> uh, let's get to the questions from you guys today. And our first one starts with Dennis Trapnell from Uniontown, Pennsylvania. I was listening to Monday Night Football recently, and the announcer said that now all unsuccessful fourth down attempts are automatically reviewed, like all scores and turnovers. Am I being cynical, or does the league want as many stoppages as it as is possible for more annoying commercials to dilute the enjoyment of watching the game? Will they think of more situations to just automatically review? Um, you know, I, I I'm gonna uh, link the um, tendency towards more review. Uh, with the league trying to compensate for its, for its inconsistent and arbitrary in-game officiating as opposed to more commercials. Uh, you know, I'm a cynic when it comes to NFL officiating, uh, but I still, ho- I, I still believe that um, the hope is that by getting NFL quarter, uh, headquarters in New York more involved in more situations will lead to fewer, you know, what the heck were they thinking posts on social media the game after the games are played. And maybe on Mondays, uh, you know, the lead NFL stories, lead pro football stories are, are less about officiating and maybe more about, you know, what happened in the games and, you know, how the outcome of those games are impacting playoff seedings and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I don't really think that they, they – they get, a, they get their money from the networks. I don't think they need more stoppages for more commercials. Um, but, hey, you know, I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm old school. My preference would be for a solution, um, you know, who knows, maybe coming up with ways to have better in-game officials. No. Nah. Come on. You want oh, as many sorry. cooks in the kitchen as possible, Labs. Yeah. Cluttering okay. this whole thing you're, up. You're right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Good point by you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, that's the NFL that I know and love. I don't want it to change. Yes. Brad McGill from Grove City, Pennsylvania. 
As we dedicated fans cheer on the quest for a seventh Super Bowl win, am I correct in thinking the Steelers were the first to win four, five, and six Super Bowls before others followed? Um, well, let me just uh, correct uh, this a little bit. Brad's on the right track, but he doesn't have it all uh, completely accurate. Uh, the Steelers were the first to win three Super Bowls. They did that when they defeated Dallas in Super Bowl thirteen. And then they were the first to win four Super Bowls, which they did the following season by beating the Rams in Super Bowl fourteen. Okay, but it was the 49ers that that were the first franchise to win five Super Bowls, and they did that by defeating San Diego in Super Bowl twenty nine. You know that was the one where the Chargers went to Pittsburgh, Three River Stadium, and won that game. When I don't know, I certainly didn't believe that was going to be possible. Right. Okay, then Dallas matched the 49ers for five when they defeated the Steelers in Super Bowl 30. But the Steelers were the first to win six when they beat the Cardinals in Super Bowl 43. Now, since then, New England also has six uh, when they defeated the Rams in Super Bowl 53. And right now it's safe to say the Steelers are a little bit in front of the Patriots as far as first to get to seven. Uh, that is a rough team up in New England right now. Yes, yes, it is. And, um, you know, I, I the the Bill Belichick um, uh, aura yes. certainly uh, is not the same <laughs> since uh, Captain America uh, left and went to Tampa. Mike for Cal- last couple of years. Mike Callender from Mooresville, Indiana. How long is Quan Alexander's contract with the Steelers? I'd like to see him back next year. Okay. Uh, in July, late July, we were already at camp. Quan Alexander signed a one-year, $1.3 million contract with the Steelers. Um, that included a $152,000 signing bonus. The salary was, you know, one point, um well, the total value I already gave you that, but that included the 1.3 million included 152 signing bonus. It was only a one-year deal, so he's going to be eligible to become an unrestricted free agent next March, whenever the new league year starts, which hasn't yet been determined. And unfortunately, I mean, his play was awesome this year, warranting of another deal, but the injury always clouds things up like that. Yeah, and you know he's. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's too old or, you know, anything like that, but he is, you know, as um, you would say, uh, he's played more football, NFL football than he's going to play. He's right. at that part, part of his career. So, I mean, you just don't know um, how the rehab will go and then what he might be like after that. Dale Geller from Cape Corral, Florida. Why do the Steelers or other teams activate players from the practice squad for a game, send them back to the practice squad, only to reactivate them for the next game. Is it a cap space thing? Um, no, it's less about cap space than it is about what I'm going to explain now. Um, before the COVID season of 2020, uh, if a team wanted to activate a player from the practice squad, it had to sign him and then create a spot on the 53-man roster by waiving a player who was already on the roster. Okay, But when COVID hit and you had those... Um, you know, last-minute positive tests and, you know, guys were being ruled ineligible for COVID reasons and, you know, all of that stuff that was going on. So the league changed the rules a little bit, and it allowed for the procedure that is in place now. And that's what Dale just kind of explained. You bring a guy up from the practice squad 
for a game, and then you can send them right back to the practice squad after. Now, what that helps uh, from a team standpoint is when you bring the guy up, you don't if it's just for a game, you don't have to cut someone that's on the 53-man roster and then expose him to the other teams that could then claim him or just sign him or whatever. And then after the game, when you can then send the guy right back to the practice squad, you don't have to cut him either, wait 24 hours for teams to decide if they want to claim him or not, and then re-sign him to the practice squad. So it gives teams more, much more flexibility and certainty with their roster to be able to do it like I just described. Now, um, the, one of the things that has been amended since you know they changed the rule is you're like for for example if you're the guy on the practice squad that the Steelers are bringing up and putting back you can only do that with you three times before you have to make a decision to either put you on the active roster or cut you you can't keep doing that to a guy yo-yoing him back and forth like that so um, that's that's the rule Amos Myers from Oro Valley Arizona as I watch Saturday's college games, I see linemen wearing all manner of knee and leg braces, which is something I do not see in the NFL. Difference in rules or difference in philosophy? Um, well, neither. It's The difference is that even though um, college players now, um, you know, they can get uh, NIL money, so there is some sort of payment. Uh, they're they're te- technically not professionals in the same way that NFL players are professionals. And NFL players who are professionals are in a union. And the union says that um, you, can't, you can't mandate um, knee braces on players. You can't force them to wear them. Um, you can suggest it or they can wear them if they choose. But that, you can't make it a rule or you just tell them put these on. They can do that in college. So that's, the, that's why. You don't see it in the NFL because um, I would imagine that there are players who don't or think they're, those braces are too restrictive, um, you know, make them less of players. They're not as mobile. Maybe they're not as quick or fast or whatever the reasons might be. Um, but they're in the union, and the rule is um, you, can't, you, can't force guys to make, uh, you can't force guys to wear uh, that kind of protective equipment. Dave Adams from Chillicothe, Ohio, asks, in your opinion, why do you think Heinz Ward is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? He is the Steelers' leading receiver in most statistical categories. Yeah, okay, let me start with this. I mean, uh, I believe Heinz Ward uh, is is Hall of Fame worthy. Um, If I had a vote, I would vote for him, but I don't. So uh, I can't, but you're asking me why I think he is not in, and here are some of the theories that I have on that. Uh, the first is, um, since uh, the NFL has really liberalized the rules uh, to make it easier to throw the ball around, you know, there's um, how it's officiated in terms of what's um, illegal contact, what's holding, what's uh, pass interference, there's that. And then there's also the, uh, the player safety uh, aspects of it where can't hit a defenseless receiver down the field, those kinds of things. Can't hit the quarterbacks, 
roughing the passer is a whole lot uh, more um, restrictive or uh, severe. Um, the numbers have just gone through the roof. Now, you know, um, it used to be a thousand catches for an NFL receiver was like 300 wins for a uh, major league pitcher. Right. You're in the Hall of Fame. It's just, you know, it, it's it's a number you're in. Um, but you know, a thousand catches now isn't isn't seen as what it was once was. You know, there are four Hall of Fame eligible receivers with uh, more than a thousand catches who are not in the Hall of Fame: Anquan Bolden, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, and Steve Smith Sr. Okay. So, and also when you come to yards. Hineswood ranks 27th on the all-time list for receiving yards. There are nine Hall of Fame eligible receivers with more than Hineswood's 12,083 yards. Steve Smith Sr., Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Anquan Bolden, Henry Ellard, Torrey Holt, Irving Fryer, Brandon Marshall, and Jimmy Smith. Now, I, you know, do, you, do, you, do any of those names jump off at you and say, boy, that guy has to be in the Hall of Fame right now? <laughs> Not really. So, there's that. Uh, sometimes voters want a player to be the best at his position in his era at some point. Now, uh, for various reasons, Heinz Ward never rose to that level. Uh, part of it was the offense that he played in was pretty much a run-heavy uh, offense. And uh, until Ben um, came on the scene in 2004, you know, he wasn't exactly playing with Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks either. And then the last thing is, and this is, I believe, maybe the most realistic, and there's a Steelers fatigue among the Hall of Fame selectors. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago, a couple of classes ago, five Steelers went in. Yeah, five. I know. And so, you know, and I'm not saying they weren't all worthy or, you know, that, was, that wasn't what it should have been or any of that kind of stuff. But I just believe, you know, because the Board of Selectors is made up this way. There's one person from every NFL city. You know, there's some at-large people. They add more of that. And there's, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, for example, um, if you're from Cincinnati or Jacksonville or, you know, one of those uh, cities where, you know, the guys that I just listed, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Steve Smith Sr., Brandon Marshall, you know, and you're talking about receivers and Heinz Ward comes up, for discussion or Heinz Ward's on the ballot where you're, you know, narrowing down the nominations to the different, you know, cutoff numbers along the way. And you're looking at that thinking, well, why would I vote for him instead of the guy from my, you know, team? So, you know, the Steelers have enough. We don't have any. So I think that that's also a part of it. And, um, you know, there's, there's really nothing you can do about it except, uh, you know, keep hoping for the best. Stefan Pasaki from Wilmington, Delaware, has another Heinz Ward-related question. The talk of Heinz Ward's chances of getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame got me thinking about what effect winning the Super Bowl MVP award would have on a player's chances. For the Steelers, Franco Harris, Terry Bradshaw, and Lynn Swan all were voted Super Bowl MVPs and are all in the Hall of Fame. Ward is not in, and Santonio Holmes has no chance, in my opinion. So this small sample suggests that more than 50% of Super Bowl MVPs wind up in the Hall of Fame. Does this hold true league-wide? Um, it's actually way more than 50%, okay? Um, because 
okay, when you look at all the Super Bowl MVPs, and I think Super Bowl, the next one is going to be Super Bowl 58. Okay, so there's been 57 played. Um, okay, there's currently four former Super Bowl MVPs who are still active players, so they can't be in the Hall of Fame. Those four guys are uh, Jake from State Farm, I mean Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> uh, Cooper Cup, Vaughn Miller, and Aaron Rodgers. And then there are seven others who are not yet eligible because they haven't been retired for the required five years. Uh, that's Brady, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Flacco, Malcolm Smith. Here's a little trivia question for you, young Tom. Malcolm Smith, what's, what, what, what team was he on and what did he play and how was he a Super Bowl MVP? Uh, was he on the Seahawks? Very nicely against the done. the Broncos, and he was a defensive linebacker. Line, he was a linebacker. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nick Foles and Julian Edelman round out the uh, seven who are not yet eligible because they haven't been retired for five years, and if Flacco comes back to play <laughs> for the Browns, that pushes him back a little more. Yes, okay. his Hall of Fame clock. They'll be waiting with bated breath in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. um, but here's the complete list of Super Bowl MVPs who are eligible uh, to be enshrined, but are not. Harvey Martin, Jim Plunkett, Phil Simms, Doug Williams, Otis Anderson, Mark Rippon, Larry Brown, you remember him. Uh, Neil O'Donnell certainly does. <laughs> Desmond Howard, Dexter Jackson, Dion Branch, Heinz Ward, and Santonio Holmes. So it, it, it definitely has a, um, being a Super Bowl MVP is definitely a selling point when it comes to Hall of Fame um, election way more than 50 percent and finally bob nemitz from jacksonville florida asks with all of the complaints about bad calls especially when they turn into game-changing outcomes do you see the refs being replaced by ai artificial intelligence Ooh, very <laughs> sci-fi to end things <laughs> well you know there's a lot of sarcastic cynical things to say about the nfl officiating and artificial intelligence, but I'm not going to go there. I'll <laughs> leave that for you, Thomas. Um, but, uh, okay, but just to, just to put this in perspective for Bob, okay, the NFL still uses two sticks and a link chain to measure for first downs, <laughs> okay? Does that sound to you like an industry uh, that's likely to turn to artificial intelligence to replace its game officials anytime soon? I mean, well. How about chips in the ball first? You know, um, baby but, steps here. Baby steps. <laughs> yes, baby steps indeed. I'm just wondering when they're going to replace us on this podcast with artificial intelligence. That that ha that can't be too far down the road. <laughs> they got all this data and, of us talking to each other. It's only a matter of time before the computer can do both parts. I and um, I won't even I won't even speculate how much of an improvement it might be. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for giving us a listen. As always, get your questions into labs right now, and maybe you'll hear them on a future episode. Steelers and Cardinals back at Akershire Stadium this Sunday, uh, 1 o'clock kickoff. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Offerman, and this has been Asked and Answered. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.